Welcome to Crazy Biatch Asians. This is a podcast where we discuss the issues Asians can face in the Western world with a critical mind, a bit of healthy debate, and lots of tea. Hosted by Sydney-based digital marketer Sharon Jiang and journalist Juna Zhu. Hey, hey, hey! Welcome to this very special interview episode where we're joined by Australia's incredibly talented dumpling king and MasterChef Australia alumni, Brendan Payne. It's hard to condense who and what Brendan is in a few sentences, but we'll give it a shot. The Perth-based Mauritian Chinese cook first rose to fame when he competed on season 10 of MasterChef Australia in 2018, where he brought a breath of fresh air to Australian TV by proudly showing off his culture and cuisine. After finishing in ninth place, he opened up his own dumpling truck named Bumplings in Fremantle, Western Australia. He then returned on MasterChef Back to Win in 2020, the season that has been praised for its diversity in judges, contestants and ingredients. As if that's not enough, Brendan even launched his very own cookbook. This is a book about dumplings. We'll be chatting to him about his experience on MasterChef, as well as his top tips on how to make the best dumplings. But the 28-year-old hasn't gained an honourable reputation just because of his food. He is so much more than that. For many, Brendan has become a voice and supporter for those of the LGBTQIA community. In 2019, he bravely came out as a gay male on social media, saying that up until the age of 24, he struggled with his sense of identity and there were countless memories where he experienced dark times as he felt pressured to change who he was. He's become an advocate for mental health, a topic that is often suppressed in the Asian community. Just a disclaimer, we recorded this episode over video call, so the sound might not be as crisp as usual. And on that note, here's Brendan. Brendan Payne, welcome to the show. We've had our sights set on you before we actually even considered starting this podcast. It was actually from when you stepped on to MasterChef, when you graced us with your presence, we were so intrigued by you. You made us so proud of our culture's food, and it's a real honour to be speaking with you today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It always means so much coming from, I guess, other people of Asian heritage as well, looking up to me on the show, which which is yeah, really special. Both of us have followed your personal MasterChef journey very closely, and we have definitely shared your rainbow dumpling yes. Insta post to each other. <laughs> Maybe so one good. too many times, just every month. Yeah. We're like, check this out. She's yes. like, you already sent me this. <laughs> Honestly, who knew dumplings could be so fun? Yeah, I think that's the most important part. Like, I think a lot of people, the misconception is that they take years of expertise or knowledge to kind of perfect. Really, when you think about it, it's flour water, which makes mm-hmm. the dough filled with anything and then cooked in any way. So mm-hmm. rainbow dumplings is just kind of one example of, of having heaps of fun with it. Yeah. So for our listeners who haven't seen, Brendan has made the most aesthetic dumplings with the wrapper in all sorts of rainbow colours. But before we go on to the yummy part of the episode, shall we start at the very beginning? Being from a Mauritian Chinese background, did you ever feel like it was difficult fitting into a Western society? Definitely. Um, I think coming from a minority group, firstly, I was born in Perth, so I, I identified as Australian. But second to that, my family was Chinese Mauritian and, and I was brought up 
speaking Creole, which is broken French, but I looked Asian and the food that we ate was very heavily French and Indian influence. So it was really confusing for me going to school. A lot of people would, would kind of make comments and be like, but you know, you, you look Chinese and, and that's it really. Like they're kind of labeling you even before you, you kind of put yourself out there as who you are. Um, so yeah, it was definitely difficult as a kid, a lot of pressure to kind of just try to fit in. Could you identify any of these times where you felt pressured to conform to these Western standards? Yeah, I think um, maybe one one thing for me, which everyone will kind of relate with, is maybe your lunchbox at school when you were a kid and, and getting very different food um, packed in my lunchbox at school and everyone else having like a sandwich or like, like lunch bars and things like that and, and kind of me just feeling like I didn't fit in. And did, did you get any comments about your food as in, oh, that's, that's strange, yes. that's not normal? It smells. Yeah. <laughs> it smells. That's, that's a big one. Yeah. It's very, like, different smelling. It wasn't appealing to other kids. I can't really recall, like, the like really big moments where I, where I felt, I guess, judged in any way. But um, it was definitely just for me, myself, on the inside. Like, I felt like I had to kind of fit in. Yeah, 100%. You've gone on MasterChef and you've really impressed us all yeah. with your cooking. So that is definitely in your past, yeah. 100%. Yeah. <laughs> a big part of your identity, aside from your racial background, is also when you, when you came out in 2019. So you've played quite a monumental role in destigmatizing mental health issues, especially when you so bravely came out on social media. And you provided a voice for other young people in the LGBTQIA plus community. So in your post, you mentioned you grew up feeling pressured to change who you were and you did suffer from some anxiety. So can you talk us through this experience a little bit? Yeah, definitely. I think it just goes on from uh, what I said previously, from coming from not just one minority, but now two minorities and struggling with that. I think for me, um, growing up as a as a young male in the society, I kind of didn't have any role models that that were queer. There wasn't really anyone in in media that kind of stood out to me as someone that I could look up to. Not just being maybe gay themselves, but also of Asian heritage. And yeah, I, I definitely felt like I had to fit in. I went to an old boys' school that was Catholic. The beliefs there were very traditional. The kind of group that I hung out in, we were really into sport. But it was very like a masculine kind of dominated group and, yeah. and I, felt, I felt kind of um, out of place. So I struggled a lot in, in that sense. And I think as I got a bit older, like my friends started to date um, and go out and I still didn't really feel comfortable with kind of coming out and telling them who I, who I really was. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry you went through that. That's not a great feeling. And I guess like as much as there has been a progression in recent years, it's Unfortunately, it's still quite difficult for Asians to come out and speak openly about their sexuality um, to parents who might have quite traditional views still. Can you share any advice for someone who might be going through this situation where they're too afraid to come out to their parents? Yeah, I think that's an important topic to touch on, especially coming from an Asian background. I think emotions and all that stuff is is really kind of suppressed a lot of the time, which that's one issue to deal with. Um, but separate to that, just across the board, if you're a young kid or youth that is kind of struggling with your identity, I think for me, 
the most important part in my coming out was kind of shifting my perceptive or perception where I guess I didn't really see my differences as something that was bad or negative. It's it's not really a bad thing at the end of the day. You might be a little different or unique, but that's what makes you special. For me, embracing that and kind of using that as like my strengths instead. And it's my, it's almost like my superpower. Like I've, I'm special. I think that's what made me really kind of feel really confident in, in myself and, and be comfortable to come out. Um, yeah, but if, if other kids can kind of go through that too, I mean, they're not, not alone. There's a lot of people out there that, that struggle with this. You mentioned in your answer that representation in media is very important for uh, youth who may be feeling that they are different, whether their sexuality or whether their race. Was you kind of going on MasterChef a way for you to you know, be proud of who you are, show other people that they can also be proud of who they are and somewhat inspire the next generation? Yeah, definitely going on to MasterChef, I think I was very clear from the start and on both seasons that I, I was on the show that I really wanted to cook food that I cared about the most, mm. that kind of celebrated my my heritage, mm. the food I grew up eating, um, the food that I love to eat the most. Really in that it was kind of celebrating diversity, which which I think looking back now was a really important part in, in kind of being a role model now to other young kids out there from a multicultural background. So speaking of MasterChef, this show is often praised for its diversity. And as two Asian Australians, we do feel very proud just watching talented chefs like yourself cook the food that we grew up with. How does it feel to be part of a show that accurately represents Australia as a multicultural country? I feel privileged. Mm. I think that's a really important word for me to have that platform and be able to put myself out there. Just because in um, the past, like there hasn't really been, I guess, people like us of this background on TV or in, in a public kind of appearance. I feel proud as well to have had that experience and, and do what I've done, like and cook the food that I've wanted to cook um, of Chinese kind of background. Through food, how are you able to tell your culture's story? I think food, everyone can relate to food. So in a sense, I think cooking the food that I grew up with is just a form of kind of storytelling and Although people at home sometimes couldn't eat the food that I was cooking on TV, um, they could relate relate to the story or, or understand it in a way that was probably clearer than just me telling them about my background and wh- where I was from. But these days, like it's for me, like down in Frio where, where Bumplings is, like it's really it's really special when I get people come in and they, they've never had this kind of food before. They've never tried dumplings, which blows my mind sometimes, or they've yeah. never tried Malaysian food. Yeah. And, um, yeah, they feel like it's it's a, a special experience for them, yeah. On that note about dumplings and your new book, this is a book about dumplings. Congratulations on both of these. That is just an outstanding achievement. Now, you're known as Australia's Dumpling King. Well, we've dubbed you as Australia's Dumpling King. <laughs> But why dumplings out of all Asian foods? And what is it about the humble dumpling that you're so obsessed with? Yeah, oh, good question. I think I, I get this a lot. In the first instance, I just love to eat them. 
and I can eat a lot of them. So I really, I love eating dumplings. <laughs> What's your record? <laughs> What's my record? Um, I don't know. I've, def- I've definitely eaten like a lot of, yeah, a lot of yum cha before. Yeah. Um, I would say at least more than 30 dumplings. <laughs> wow. That's probably, yeah. But yeah, why dumplings? I mean, I grew up learning how to cook through dumplings, really. And my grandma or my grandmother teaching me how to make wontons, a form of dumplings. I just love the versatility. I love how it's a universal dish. Like, you know, a lot of cuisines have them. Like Italians have ravioli, there's like pierogi, there's um, heaps of different types. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, going off of what you said about you learning how to make dumplings, that was, I mean, that was how you sort of learned to cook. Dumplings sort of for us has also represented family and a sense of nostalgia and a connection to, I suppose, the motherland. Like you said, it's such a versatile dish. It's always something that's connected to positive feelings, yeah. would you say? It's, it's always sitting down at the table, everyone's happy, you know, generations chatting to each other, grandma, mom, you know, the young generation. It's, it's quite a nice connecting food yes it is yeah Yeah, definitely i think even if you're making them like a lot of people tend to make them together and either if you've learned from your family like it's something that's been passed down or you'll pass down or if you've learned how to make for the first time i have no doubt you you want to share that with friends and family as well and it's not easy Well, skill. Yeah, the wrapping part. Yeah. Well, it depends. I think there's, there's a lot of food hacks to um, kind of make the process a lot easier. Yeah, we will definitely get on to that. Yes, yeah. yes. The end section is a lot of tips about dumplings, so <laughs> we'll definitely get on to that. But in terms of your food career, you made the bold decision to give up your career as a social worker to pursue your passion for food. And honestly, at such a young age, so major props to you for making that career change. So for other young people who might be considering making this career change, can you explain how you managed to sort of muster up the courage to do this? Especially for someone from an Asian background who might have parents who are, again, very traditional and want you to go down certain career paths. Mm. My family actually were very supportive of everything I've, I've always pursued. I think prior to even changing from social work to, to going on to MasterChef, I had already had a change in my university degrees. I was studying architecture at first and then was volunteering a lot. And then that change was quite a big kind of thing for me to kind of tell my family. But they were really supportive and, and I kind of felt embraced and, and mum was really kind of just said that I could do whatever I wanted and she was proud of me and she'd always be there. So leaving social work kind of in that sense wasn't as scary. Mm-hmm. And I think it came at a good time because I, I really didn't have anything holding me back. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I had a job up in Broome, a house. I left all that. But again, mum was like, just move back in. Let's see how this goes. And um, yeah, it's, it's kind of gone really well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's nice to have your family support on these decisions. Yeah. And, and I'm sure throughout the whole show, they got your back, watching every episode, cheering you on. Yeah, the whole of Australia was. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Definitely us too, yes. watching every episode. Literally yeah. messaging each other every episode. Being like, oh, yeah, exactly. 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 <laughs> oh, that's so nice. So your book, this is a book about dumplings. If you had to choose one recipe from the book as your favourite, what would it be and why? Oh, that's no one's ever asked me that. Just one. I, I would say 
my favorite is probably like the classic, the prawn wonton soup, which is probably the first kind of thing that I got, I was taught how to make um, from my grandmother. I think it's such a simple classic dish that when you make and kind of share with others, it's just kind of, it's not just something that tastes good. Like it brings back for me a lot of fond memories and I'll have that any, any night of the week. Yeah. Okay. okay. Now, speaking of dumplings, this is the part we're all waiting for. <laughs> As the ultimate dumpling master, what are the biggest mistakes people make when it comes to making dumplings? Mm. <laughs> biggest mistakes. Okay. Well, if they're making the dough from scratch, I would say people's biggest mistakes are just not being patient, not not resting it to let the gluten kind of relax, not covering it with maybe a damp tea towel just so that it doesn't dry out because the worst thing that you encounter with wrapper is that it dries out and kind of cracks and breaks. Um, in terms of feelings, I think people usually are pretty good with that. Like you can really fill a dumpling with anything. Yeah. But what I, what I found is a lot of people will overfill a dumpling and that's when you kind of yeah. really struggle to put it together there. And then it's, yeah. it's a bit of a nightmare if you overfill it. So I would I would say for people at home to underfill it and kind of work from there and see and find a good good point. But other than that, I think, yeah, a lot of people at home have done a great job at making dumplings. The wrapper is tricky for first timers. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. It's <laughs> the stickiness and it just gets everywhere and it frustrates you and then you end up going to the supermarket and buying exactly. a pack of free yeah. <laughs> but they're not the same, is it? No. Buying the pre-made versus actually kneading the dough by hand, it's it's yeah. definitely not the same experience. No. <laughs> bite to it. Yeah, the, to a home. 100%. <laughs> it does depend on like the texture that you're going for. Like I like a bit of a chewy kind of consistency, yeah. but I'm not against um, store-bought wrappers at all. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, you heard it here from Brendan, not against store-bought <laughs> wrappers. <laughs> I've got to admit, I'm a store-bought rapper girl. (laughs) (laughs) And so many of the things that you just said in terms of the biggest mistakes, it actually reminds me a lot of making dumplings with my grandma and sort of seeing how she does it. Those things that you said, that is exactly how she does it. Wet tea towel, let the gluten sit and do not overfill it. Those are the literally the best tips that you could give. <laughs> okay, so back to your famous rainbow-coloured dumplings that we cannot get over. What is your secret? How do you put the colour in the dumplings so perfectly? Yeah, good, good, good question. I actually haven't made them in a while. But um, I would say a base kind of dumpling wrapper recipe is two parts flour to one part water um, and a bit of salt. So, for example, if you've got 400 grams of flour, you go about 200 grams of water. Um, And for me, just to add color in, you can add it in into that water first or like the liquid. So, and if you're being really kind of health conscious, which I when I made them, I really like to use preserved kind of colorings and stuff. So I use things like beetroot juice or like I'll dissolve some um, turmeric or something into the into that water. And that's where I kind of color the dough. Um, and then you just go from there. You, you just kind of be really playful with it. You can mix different colored doughs together. Yeah, it's, it's just really up to up to you. Yeah, yeah. Hey. For, for our listeners who have not seen 
um, these beautiful rainbow colored dumplings. We're Not going to, yeah, we're, we're going to leave a direct link in the show notes <laughs> to Brendan's Instagram. Um, we've seen you make a Christmas tree inspired one. Roses. Roses. Where did you sort of get yeah. these ideas from? Do they just sort of pop into your head? Do you get inspiration? <laughs> it's just bit really having a bit of fun and, and kind of playing with yeah. With the shapes and the dough, I, I guess you can make anything really. Like I've seen people make goldfish, mm. um, what else, like flowers. Mm. Yeah, so it's yeah. it depends on how patient you are really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My grandma has a type of dumpling that looks like a little mouse and we call it the little mouse design and we, we would like make oh, a hundred little mouse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you could choose only 10 ingredients, to make the perfect dumplings, maybe to win MasterChef, what would they be? Ten ingredients. Let me count. Um, does this is this just the filling, or is this the wrapper as well? I could probably uh, put the wrapper in there. Yeah. Ten ingredients. I go flour and water for the pastry. Then I've got like a fatty pork mince. Mm-hmm. Perhaps some fresh prawns from here in Perth, which in in like Exmouth, which would be really tasty. Yeah, that's four ingredients. For seasoning, I'd go oyster sauce, a bit of light soy, a bit of um, Shaoxing cooking wine, a bit of sesame oil, yeah. mm-hmm. white pepper, oh, yeah. and I would either go in with a bit of ginger or spring onion. Yeah. I think Ooh. I think that would be great. Yeah, just that there, a simple pork yeah. and prawn dumpling. Wow, very flavorful, 100%. You've got all the Asian <laughs> The sesame oil, that's very important. white pepper. Yes. Yes, the white pepper, yeah. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything we've forgotten? Any other final dumpling tips or or any life tips for our listeners? Yes. Any life tips? I did do a TED Talk recently on, um, I guess, a lot of what we talked about tonight. So it's really fresh in my mind. But I guess my whole, my experience on the whole from, coming out to being of Asian heritage, um, to pursuing my career. It's just always been pursuing um, what makes me happy, happiest. And um, it's really being truthful to who I am and, and kind of, yeah, being open and, and confident in that. Okay. I think my last question for you, though, is how are you now? I'm happy. I'm, I'm content with where I am at the moment. I've um, just moved into my own house which I, I bought and renovated with my partner Nick yeah work's going really well and I'm kind of happy with my career and I'm just putting out the food that, that I care about the most and celebrating my culture yeah it makes me happy mm. we would love to fly to Perth yes and meet you in person oh my god <laughs> <laughs> eat up bumpling maybe 30 plus dumplings 100% <laughs> that, that is on our list of things yeah. to do when COVID is over I'd love to have you guys so just finally you mentioned that you've done a ted talk where can our listeners find you so instagram facebook uh is a ted talk on youtube just sort of do a bit of a spiel yeah um the ted the tedx i should say tedx talk that i've done recently was through uwa here in perth there is a link on my instagram otherwise if you just type it in on youtube it should pop up beautiful beautiful and what about um any social media handles that you'd like to share with everybody if you'd like to reach out to me or find out where my stuff is on instagram all socials it's brendan pang otherwise it's bumplings perth amazing 
for all our listeners, we will put a direct link to those in our show notes below. So you have all very easy access to Brendan's socials. And I think after this, we'll all be eating your prawn wontons. <laughs> Send me some photos. Yes, we will. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brendan, for coming on our show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Our first guest episode has come to an end and we are just over the moon. Honestly, we are just so happy that we got to meet the Dumpling Master in the flesh. Well, I mean over zoom one day we will definitely fly over to perth yes and if you'd love to hear more from us please subscribe to crazy biatch asians on your favorite podcast app and if you've got a sec please rate and review us on apple Podcasts so we can keep going if you like our content and would like to support us through monthly donations please head to our patreon page linked in the show notes If you like watching your podcasts, you can also find us on YouTube under the same name. And finally, head to our Instagram at crazybiarchasians for the best Asian memes. Chat soon, gang. Bye. Bye.